0: Welcome to another episode of the Global CTE Podcast. I am here with my friend, Mrs. Fawn Hall. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are in for a treat today. Let me tell you about Fawn. Fawn is the Director of Western Statewide CTE Consortium at Western Dakota Technical College, okay? She's also the South Dakota ACTE Administration Division President She's a graduate of Black Hills State University with a BS in psychology and an emerging expert in best practices on building statewide CTE consortiums. Her personal mission is to positively impact the lives of others personally and professionally. Fine, welcome to the podcast.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So my first question. Let's jump right into it. Can can you tell our audience more about your role as the director of the Western Statewide CTE Consortium? I know that's kind of a new thing. Some people may may be unfamiliar with that. So what's what's it like in that role?
1: Yeah. So this role just started just uh, just about two years ago, and basically what I get to do is build relationships throughout Western South Dakota with uh, area high schools, specifically rural high schools. And their CTE teachers and administrators, bringing those school districts together to strengthen their CTE programs and provide more effective opportunities for growth, specifically with the use of Perkins funding, but also focused on you know how to provide them with professional development and then also how to uh, collaborate with the eastern side of the state and create just one big unified front. I
0: love it. I love it. So so when you when you took on this role, like. What, what were your guideposts or like, you know, <laughs> how did you know where to go? What should I do first here?
1: So that's a great question. So funny little story. When the job posting came out, I was reading through it and I don't, I didn't have a background in CTE at the time, but there was a lot of emphasis on making connections, collaborative efforts, relationship building. And I thought I can do that. That is totally me. So <laughs> that's why I applied for the job. And then so my guideposts were, were basically, this is what we want to happen. We want to bring these school districts together. We want them to use one large bucket of funding. And uh, we want to make sure that we can provide opportunities for our students to get back to their communities should they choose to afterwards. There wasn't really a lot of guidance after that because it was a brand new position. This just came out with, you know, part of Perkins 5. Um, and so I was told to do whatever I thought was feasible to make that happen. And so I knew with relationship building, I'm a big believer that you have to just jump in and start introducing yourself, meeting face-to-face, making those phone calls. Uh, so that's what I did. I just put myself out there immediately with these schools I was going to be working with and let them know who I was and you know really listen to them as far as what next steps we needed to take.
0: I, I, I love that. I'm, I'm curious, so here you are in this role and you're reaching out to schools around their Perkins funds. Like, how did they, before the consortium started, like, how did schools receive their Perkins funds versus how they receive them now as a part of the consortium?
1: Sure. So um, before there was like these smaller consortiums that weren't considered statewide, they were just individually housed within you know, maybe four or five, sometimes six districts or so in the rural communities. And so they would receive kind of the same pot of money, essentially, um, based on their student population uh, and needs for their CTE programming. And then we also had standalone districts in the state. So the larger school districts you think about that can kind of hold their own, they would receive just their own allocated part of money, like with almost any grant. With the creation of the statewide consortium, the whole point there was to bring together a larger pool of districts, so that essentially all of these smaller districts had access to a lot more funding. So you're going from, you know, a consortium of a smaller consortium of maybe $15,000 between four schools, and now we have like 20 schools that have access to almost $200,000. So it's a huge increase.
0: That's that's so awesome, and then it's it also sounds like it's just an a more efficient way of leveraging the resources um, like across those school districts. So, are there some? I'm curious as now it's grown, like what are some of the innovative or best practices that you've used in in leading the consortium?
1: Absolutely, this is one of my favorite things to talk about, actually. So, bringing people together is a huge passion of mine, and so. One of the things that we have done is we have like a centralized CTE point of contact list for each district throughout the state, but specifically in my consortium. That contact list, for example, is then shared with all of the schools in my consortium. So if we have a teacher in, uh, you know, a, that teaches a welding class and they're looking for what's another school doing or what's happening in another community, what equipment should I be upgrading? They can go ahead and make that connection without having to involve anyone else but in a more inviting way because we're also bringing these schools together multiple times a year. So they're not totally separated hours and hours apart where they simply know each other exists, but rather they're sitting in a room together and having these conversations with me as the moderator. So I'm kind of guiding these discussions so they're not just left on their own floundering.
0: I, I am in love with just... The collaboration there, like we, we talk a lot about from the curriculum side, not operating in silos like mm-hmm. marketing classes should also work with the culinary department. And, you know, then that creates right. food truck businesses and that sort of thing, like how things actually happen in the real world. But for you all to be so collaborative, like I'm teaching welding in my school over here and this is what we're doing, but then they're connecting and collaborating with someone across the state. That's um that's that's really powerful. That is really powerful. And I think that's a, a great example of best practices. What what else what else do you have? Like but you know, so you have your communications list of who's doing what and they can share and reach out on their own. But what, what else do you have in terms of innovative uh, best practices for for your consortium?
1: Yeah, so we're actually in the process right now of um, it kind of expanding into a broader sector of understanding the economic development piece um, beyond just the CTE programs, but how that actually impacts the community. So uh, we're actually in the process, as I mentioned, we're going to be hosting um, economic development officers throughout Western South Dakota. They're going to be here along with all of our administrators and CTE teachers um, and school counselors to help them understand how do we start these relationships with industry partners in these communities and how do we sustain them and then also provide guidance on how that ripple effect is impacting South Dakota's economy and, and what also then needs to happen through a post secondary tra- trajectory. So, going along the lines of what you're asking, you know, something we're also currently in the works for that we're finalizing plans for this coming fall is um, the, the post-secondary institutes, the technical colleges such as Western Dakota Tech, we are going to be working with our faculty and offering professional development days specific to CTE teachers where they will be paid for by Perkins Funding because it's under the professional development umbrella and um, they will travel to the college for the day and we will have the faculty and industry partners training them on the most up to date processes, uh, equipment, things that they should be taking back into their classrooms for their students. Again, that consistency. So everybody's on the same page. The students are getting the best service. And, and again, all coming back to that collaborative effort of making sure we're consistent and running this process together.
0: So, so you're just, you're just connecting the dots all across the state. I, like I love yes. it from the industry to uh, the community college. Because that was that was going to be my next question actually was like, how how do you see the role of like community colleges, um, you know, or local colleges or universities mm-hmm. in the role of like CTE and in education, like coming down to the high school and middle schools? I was just curious, like, you know, what do you think is is the role there?
1: Yeah, so I'll start this, I'll start this uh, answer by saying that I am the mom of a high school senior, so this is a very important area for me as she's kind of made the decision to decide where she's going in her own life. And one of the things that I've seen is that without that post-secondary involvement actually going to the high schools and not even just the students, because a lot of times those high school students are listening to their trusted high school teachers, not someone that they don't know coming in from a college setting, if that makes sense so I think for us to be able to go into that setting to understand what it is that they're looking for and to team up with these teachers who are working with these students day in and day out to say here's what we have to offer here's how we offer it and here's how you could show it to your students and then have those students get that experience from those teachers that they're familiar with and those teachers can then say hey you know, I went through training myself last week at Western Dakota Tech to be able to show you this new process or equipment. I think all around, it creates just a much more circular approach and opportunities for the students, which is obviously our first, first priority, also for the post-secondary enrollment. And then for those high school successes, those students aren't getting trapped in this idea that I have to get a you know degree as a doctor or a lawyer or a four-year something, which nothing against those things, but... Maybe they're just more of a hands-on student and that's what they're gonna excel in.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm seeing the 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 future of education looks more like that in terms of like skill-based. And you you're mm-hmm. even hearing like a lot of employers, they're not so concerned about the 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 four as concerned about the four-year degree in, in some uh in some industries as do you have these skills? Um, and, and I think that's great what you're saying in terms of having that focus there, I am hearing from you though I this is something like really amazing and I'm loving it is your ability to communicate with stakeholders and organize stakeholders like across the state what what do you have to say about communication and leadership and you know and like maybe just some advice for someone who finds themselves in a position where like I'm trying to organize people, whether it's through a consortium or just trying to get people on board. Like for you, just to take this thing over and and like, hey, I'm fine. Like let's get together and you know, like let's share best practices. Like what do you have to say about communication and leadership? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, so I have a few things <laughs> to say. Um, the first thing I would say, which I think applies to all relationships in life, professional or, or otherwise is you have to first ask yourself what you want to receive. You know, what would make me respond to someone? And then you need to become that person. So when you do that, it kind of eliminates a lot of the other obstacles. When you become who you want someone else to be. And then the other thing with that is also um, understanding that everybody has different perspectives. Um, Everyone's perception, whether it's professionally in the education setting, um, in a leadership role, whatever it is, everyone's perception is based on their own life experience. And so when you remove yourself from taking things personally, or how is, how am I going to look? How is this going to affect me? And you really just kind of remove the ego and the self doubt. And you really approach every conversation from the angle of, how can I give to this person? What do I have to give in this moment? It changes the focus from being so worried about how you're presenting yourself and what you're saying to be able to understand that everything that comes out of your mouth or way you present is a gift. And if someone doesn't want to receive your gift, that's that's not the point of it. The point is offering the gift. And I think that that is something that's really helped me in this whole um, process and getting used to this position and really making it my own, understanding that, people are probably gonna question me because I don't have much of a guiding post and I'm new to this. I didn't even know what CTE meant when I started my job. I was Googling like a mad woman. And <laughs> so to, and to own that as well, I think there's also the accountability piece of saying, hey, you know, for example, uh, my name's Fawn, I'm new to this role, uh, I'm gonna learn right alongside you, we're gonna figure this out together. Really taking that team approach is absolute magic in my opinion.
0: That was, I hope everyone was listening to that because (laughs) you just, you really went there with like adding value, starting those conversations, trying to add value. And also, what I just heard you say was the power in vulnerability. You know what I'm saying? Like being vulnerable about, I don't have all the answers, but we are aligned in offering the best services, the best education we possibly can to these students and we're gonna do this together. I think that's, um, there's a lot of humility in that. And sometimes you find, you don't always find that whether it's out of insecurity, sometimes when people get into leadership, they feel like, hey, I have to be the person to have all of the right answers versus mm-hmm. we are only in search of the truth. Wherever that's the truth right. comes from, from me, from a coworker, you know an industry person or or someone someone even like yourself like you said i think there's tremendous value in the fact that you came from outside of cte because then you you bring fresh eyes you know you bring fresh eyes to um uh, to some of the problems or you know or to the solution
1: right yep i absolutely agree i think That that experience, the vast experience I had before this, definitely allowed me to see things a little bit differently, but also be able to offer things from that different perspective.
0: Okay. So with that experience before CTE, I'm 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 curious your answer to this. I've been waiting to ask you this. So I know (laughs) because it's because it's like just like you said, like those things adding value, uh, you know, the importance of communication and team. Teamwork, some of the intangible things that I feel like personally are part of the reason why you all are having success with, or you're having success in that role. I'm curious your thoughts on gratitude, okay? Mm-hmm. And I and I know that you did some research on this um, with your some research on the psychological and physiological effects of gratitude. So I'm curious, can you talk to the importance of how gratitude can be applied in leadership or, or within CTE. I'm curious.
1: Yes. Uh, so I am one of those people who I write daily gratitude lists every morning and every night. So <laughs> I'll first say that gratitude has a special spot in my heart. Um, and it, I think I'll start by saying it goes back to what I mentioned about giving gifts. So we have to really embrace where we're at in our lives at any point. And we can send that message out and focus on the professional aspect right now, that no matter what is happening in your life, when you can you know, go into these schools or have these conversations with these teachers or um, you're bringing people together across the state, being able to, to recognize there's more going on than what's happening in my world and I'm grateful for this opportunity and how I can give back even if it's just sitting and listening to someone's idea. Um, I think gratitude plays such a big role in success across the board and it's not necessarily Um, the whole idea, in my opinion of, okay, how many things can I be grateful for? And you, you step back and you're not really grateful, but you have to feel it. Like, like when I get to work every morning and I'm pretty isolated in my position, when I'm in my office, there's, there's still a sense of like, I'm so appreciative of the opportunity to get to work with so many different people. When I have to travel and leave my kids behind, um, and as a single mom, that's a little bit stressful, so (laughs) I don't know where they're gonna go sometimes. But when I have to to travel and, and coordinate dinners for my teenager and stuff, it's really easy to get caught up in those moments thinking like, oh my God, I have to travel for work again. And then I remember, like, I love traveling. I love the opportunity. I love meeting new people. I am so blessed to be in this point in my life and allowing myself to take that second to just feel that deep gratitude versus the inconvenience of what any position offers. On a leadership level, I just want to add as well that um, I've had management positions in several different fields in my life and from different um, aspects. And one thing that I love about strong leadership is that, it's not about being a boss or being a manager. It's giving people space for their own light to shine and providing them the resources to do that. It's not about making me look good as a leader. It's about me helping them be their best so their own lights can shine by seeing how I can model the shining of my light. Um, not to sound super cheesy, but I am <laughs> very no, it's not about cheesy.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's not. That's why I wanted to ask you about it because, like you. S- you said in the very beginning of of that answer, I can tell you operate in gratitude.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and I and I feel like when you do that, you'll you'll get better results in whatever it is that that you're uh that you're embarking upon. And and you can see that whether it's professional, like seeing your work, being grateful for it, the opportunity to do the work and saying like my work is an opportunity and not an obligation right like that's that shift in thought like I, I i i get the opportunity to travel across the state you know like those are powerful ways of looking at at what we're doing and, and seeing the glasses as half full versus half empty you know like i, I personally i'm with you 100 in terms of the gratitude um, if we add more gratitude to our day, then like even for the little things, like I'm grateful I woke up this morning. I'm grateful for my coffee, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. up, you know, up to like the bigger things, like oh, I'm grateful for this vacation I'm going on. Um, but putting more gratitude in your day will will help you see the world differently instead of like locking into all the negative stuff. Like our brains. Or just wired naturally to see everything that's going wrong but just saying like Mm -hmm. hey you
1: know what you know today's not it's not so bad it's a good day it's a good day yeah i i just kind of want to add to that when people talk a lot about gratitude i think it's common to start talking about all the things that are kind of easier to be grateful for even waking up in your coffee but something that's really helped me professionally um, and especially building relationships with so many brand new people throughout the state is also being grateful for those challenging conversations, for those moments where you feel like you are being questioned or doubted. Because I think that those are the moments where we have the opportunity to not prove ourselves, but to grow and to show that person our vulnerable side so that they tend to want to kind of open up to us more as well. So learning to be grateful for those challenging conversations that open the door for growth is probably the biggest area professionally that I think if more people open themselves to, leadership would just skyrocket in the best of ways throughout the entire world, if I might say so. I love
0: that. Be grateful for the challenges because there are opportunities to grow. I I tell, I say something similar to like my entrepreneurial friends is that it is constant, it's constant problem solving. So be grateful, like be excited about the opportunity. Like what problems am I going to face today? Yes. You know, yep. and, and and knowing that, especially when you look back on maybe some challenging moments and you say, oh, wow, look how far I've come. So when you do face those current and future challenging moments, you ever say, OK, this is I, I'll get past this. Like, let me just be ex- excited or, or be grateful for this opportunity to learn from this no, or from this closed door or for the, from this person who's who's not necessarily feeling what I'm saying right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I, I agree. Absolutely. So, okay, let me bring it back to uh, the consortium piece. What, yeah. what advice would you have for, uh, for people in other States or in other regions who maybe they already have one or, or they find themselves in this new role or they're in the process of developing a, a consortium. What, what are your thoughts on, on getting started with something like this?
1: Sure, so my first thought I'm gonna say is embrace the fear and the unknown. And uh, the second thing is to to dive in if you have to do some research as to what it is you're getting into, even as simple as like I had to do where learning what CTE meant, learning what a consortium meant, um, don't allow pride to get in your way and actually take the time to do that Googling, to ask those questions and uh, asking questions is, is a big deal don't be afraid to reach out to people and say I don't know but I want to learn can you help me and then understanding the the schools you're working with the communities that you're working with as well and understanding that well you are coming in with a lot to offer them especially if you're in that kind of position you have to believe that in yourself um, understand that they've been operating in a, at a different pace and a different way probably for a while so understanding there's going to be some resistance um, and not trying to force your way through that. But as I kind of mentioned earlier, leaving space for people to want to come into that space by creating that sense of trust and one of the ways I think um, that I know I've done that and it's necessary to do that is by saying, you know, tell me about what you've done so far and tell me about where you want to see yourself going. Let me come see your space you're working in and what's your big dreams and your big goals. So you're listening to what they want versus here's what I think you should be doing. Um, and then once you've done those kind of individual pieces, take some time then that's when you start bringing those those different pieces those different schools those different communities together leading you to where i'm at now which is understanding more of the industry side bringing industry to those schools bringing you know the governor's office and economic development officers and post-secondary where you now have so much of these strong individual relationships built that you can really start tying them together you've built that trust with each individual entity and person. And so they're going to count on you more when you say, I really think that this is a great thing for you to try. Would you be interested in hearing about this if I brought this to your attention? Uh, they're gonna listen to you more because you've taken the time to create a space for them that feels safe and welcoming. So those would definitely be my first starting points.
0: That's, that's great insight. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Fun. So my, my last and final question for you, what, is your vision for the future of career and technical education?
1: My vision is to (laughs) ultimately provide unlimited opportunities for any student in high school, but really just also any person that, to give them hope that there is a career field that they can be passionate about and interested in that may not fit the norm um, of what they were taught is societally acceptable or culturally acceptable, but, Um, to find it within themselves to to spread their wings a little and to try something they've never tried. Along with that, I would say is, is to really provide teachers and administrators and just the CTE realm as a whole with a sense of just a collaborative community that comes together, not in competition, but for the benefit of all involved, because it really can benefit everybody if you're doing it the right way. Wow.
0: Fine. This is I could talk to you for hours. This is <laughs> this is <laughs>
1: such
0: this was such um a great conversation. You shared a lot of deep insight on the work you are doing uh in South Dakota across the state. I'm excited to uh, to watch you on your journey as you grow from where you guys at, like 50 schools now or are there more? We're
1: almost at 60.
0: Wow, yeah. wow, yeah. wow 60 I
1: communities.
0: It. I love it. We'll continue continue the great work that you all are doing and serving our students and preparing them uh, for success in the global marketplace. Uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more from
1: you? Yeah. So they can find me at LinkedIn. My name's pretty uncommon. So just Fawn Hall uh, is probably the best way. And then they can also email me. My work email is fawn.hall at WD is dog, T is in Tom.com. Uh, And then those two avenues are probably the fastest, easiest way to get my get my attention um, professionally.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Fawn, again. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend, uh, Find Fawn, on LinkedIn. Uh, She's a joy to follow on there. And remember, (laughs) you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace.